Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up? This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I am your host, Sean Dustin. Happy Friday, everybody. If it is Friday where you're watching from, uh, hope you have a or had a good week, and I hope you have an even better weekend. We got a great guest for you this evening, a friend of mine, a podcaster. Uh, but first, if you're watching from YouTube, do me a favor and subscribe and thumbs this video up. If you're on uh, Facebook, or Facebook group, do me a favor also and like and share this. The algorithm doesn't like to share or or boost any of these things unless you're paying for it on, on most of these social media platforms. So the more you share, the more we beat that algorithm. Um, also, too, if you're on the podcast platforms, which this will be releasing in you know, two or three weeks, depending, uh, go ahead and subscribe there as well. Uh, definitely could use the help uh, being in the new and noteworthy category. That algorithm actually helps boost you up when you subscribe. Uh, if you want to re- rate or review on iTunes, go ahead and do that. You could also go to pod. Uh, oh, I can't remember what it is. There's one that you can do that you don't need to uh, have a, an, I- an iPhone, but I can't remember what it is. I'll be more better prepared next time. Uh, so this evening I'm talking to Celeste. Resh from the Taboos podcast. And the Taboos podcast is a podcast where they, her and her co-host, um, Allie, talk about a lot of things that are taboo over drinks and give perspectives. And she really does deep dives on the th- subjects that she covers. I was really impressed when I saw one of her uh, most recent uh, episodes or listened to one of her most recent episodes. And I was like, whoa, you really do do a great job researching. Can I hire you <laughs> for my show? So anyways, we, we had something planned this evening, but I'm going to bring her in and let her talk to you and introduce herself. And then we'll tell you about what we were going to do so here we go hey hey Hey. hello hi celeste hi everybody hi sean thank you so much for having me today it's such a pleasure to be here well thank you uh we did a episode on your show this week yeah uh, that was uh, the, your guys's process is you guys go do long do lo, do long shows uh mm-hmm. or, or long recordings to condense it down and and i see why i mean you talk, talk about a lot of stuff that you research quite a bit like how many of those notebook notebooks do you go through Oh my goodness. Honestly, um, I think since we started in August, I've gone through 17 notebooks. They're my special guest notebooks. Allie types all of her notes out because she's much more 
um, analytical than I am. So the computer is what makes sense to her. But in my brain, if I write it down, it stays in my memory. And that's really why we started our show was so that we could learn for ourselves. Uh, but yeah, 17, I think, is the last time that I counted. I wow. mean, for the episode that you and I did alone, I had 33 pages of notes. That, that's a lot of notes. But I mean... You- you, I mean, you do, you do the work, right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, versus me, I mean, I do general stuff, but I mean, I like to do mine just more on the fly. Um, but you're definitely do a lot, put a lot of work into what you do. And so I suggest anybody out there, if you want a good podcast to listen to, and I'm going to do this little ticker tape on the bottom, uh, oh, hit the, love it. hit the, uh, the, uh, description and there's direct links there to the taboos podcast and all of the taboo social media where you can follow uh celeste and ali on their journey uh of enlightenment and trying to make the world a better place in their own special way so i definitely appreciate you and i appreciate your friendship and i appreciate all that you do oh thank you so much that all just means so much to me sincerely we definitely are on a journey for sure and I I just, I love our show. I love what our show represents. I love the space that we've created for people. It's truly a safe space for everyone except racists and pedophiles. Those people don't belong in our space specifically, but I just, I'm really proud of, of what we've created. And the, the reason we do so much research is because we want to be as educated as possible in uncovering the taboo and what has caused it to be so stigmatized in our society. And sometimes that's not even just American culture. Sometimes that's society as human beings, right? As a human species. Um, we've really done a lot of damage to ourselves as far as who we could be potentially as, again, a species. Because we put all these rules and regulations and, and drama and bullshit on top of like really basic concepts that everybody experiences or some people experience, but that's okay. And it's okay if you don't, right? Like I just really feel like small mindedness is the plague on our society. And I just don't want to be a part of that. I want to be a part of the cure to that. And the cure to that is education. So that's what I want to help do. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, education, inclusivity, um, yeah. you know, knowing, you know, and also being open to all of those things, too, because once you know better, you do better, right? Or you should do exactly. better. You know, exactly. I, I can excuse ignorance once. And, mm-hmm. you know, once once I explain something to you, especially when it comes to, you know, subjects like, you know, racism or or sexism or you know, any of those things, any of those isms that, you know, kind of, in my opinion, help to divide us instead of, you know, provide us uh, with, with the, with the weapons that we need to, you know, face this world that, you know, is ever changing and seems to be divided at every turn. So, um, you know, it's up to us if if anything's going to change you know we can't wait for the government to save us because they're not going to do that we can't wait for our local government to save us you know because they're busy doing whatever it is they're doing so it comes down to you and me and and everybody out there watching or listening to 
step up and 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 look look a bit little deeper into whatever it is that that you see and don't always just you know take the the mainstream media's word for it because they're not really our friends um exactly i'm a huge <laughs> proponent of free thinking i mean i'm not saying that the media is all bad i definitely appreciate a lot of aspects of journalism i actually really recognize that what we do is very much um like investigative journalism that's what that is how ali and i frame our episodes however it's not about what's current or what's happening right now sometimes we talk about things that are historic like tattoos we've covered tattoos historically and why they're stigmatized today and we're going to talk about that in a couple different branches but i mean that's not something that's a current item in the media it's something that people deal with every single day and that's also something that we're truly trying to capture is at least once a week we want someone's every day to be represented and if that means in the form of tattoos or in the form of anime or in the form of black women matter or in the form of felons. It, it really, that's not what is important to us. What's important is that somebody out there is going to feel represented. And also somebody out there is going to become enlightened in this subject in a way that they might not have before. And that's really important to us. Plus like I get to spend every single week with my best friend and talk about cool shit and swear and try new beer. Like what would I possibly want to be doing other than that? You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I really love the way that you've, you know, made that space for yourself and, and, you know, are, are owning it basically, you know? And so kudos you. to you. Thank you very much. So, the reason why we had came across, we crossed paths to begin with where um, I think I just stumbled upon your podcast or I stumbled upon you on Twitter and st struck up a conversation and got directed to your podcast. Now I got directed to your podcast by stumbling across you on Twitter. And then I started looking at, at your, your content and I'm like, Oh, okay. That, I, that kind of, that kind of looks like they might fit within, you know, the realm of what I do and, yeah. and, and what I think about. And so I reached out to you in an email and it's just, we had, we were having conversations and mm -hmm. it was like, you know, we were, we aligned and the conversations led to, to a Facebook messenger. Then it went to, <laughs> it went to, you know, texting. And then we just decided that, you know, Hey, let's have, let, let's have a, let's have a show. Um, where we, you know, because I've, I'm, I'm, I'm an admitted, uh, formerly abusive person. I speak about it openly in my relationships and stuff like that. And you have, have, uh, experienced that as well, but on the physical, um, the physical abuse aside, like, cause I was, I was a, a, like a narcissistic, um, not, not 100% narcissist, but I mean, the traits, I, they were, I was definitely displaying traits of, of what that looks like. Right. right. And, but I, I never went to the physical side because I knew better, which I don't know if that makes me worse or not, because I knew that if I hit you, I was going to go to jail or get in trouble. So I would do everything in my power to beat you up with my words instead. So it doesn't make me any better by any means. But, you know, at some point I had to come to grips and come to terms with that, that, you know, hey, man, that's that's kind of fucked up. And you know, do, do I want to have my daughter, um, 
how how is she going to respect that right and and how right. am i going to set an example for her to where she doesn't end up with somebody like me or who i used to be and mm-hmm. if i don't change that behavior now and start modeling something that that is respectable then she's going to end up right down in the same path that that you know um other people do or you know people that ran across me and you know and it, what really sucks is you know if if you don't have a bad childhood, all it takes is running across somebody like, like myself or who I used to be or another person later on in your life. Like you may have escaped that, that childhood trauma, right? But then you run right into something who you think somebody cares about you or somebody loves you and your trauma gets imposed on you by, by an abusive person and now you're in your, you know, twenties, thirties, forties, having to deal with that kind of stuff, right? That kind of, you know, coming back from a trauma imposed on, on an, uh, an abuser. So I actually, I, I, I really appreciate your perspective on it. And I don't think that you're wrong. I think that there's another perspective to it. However, I think that there's, uh, I think that there's a sense of vulnerability. Okay. I, I I'm going to share this with you if you don't know this, but also share it with your listeners because sometimes I talk like this and people think that I'm, losing my mind. I'm not, I'm an empath. So I truly feel things on every level of my presence, including on an energy level and on a spiritual level. And that's, that's just who I am. That's my belief. That's how I work. Uh, But I believe that there's a sense of vulnerability that narcissists, true narcissists can sense about people because I don't, I don't feel like there's any such thing as escaping childhood trauma. I don't believe that you truly ever escape it until you've forgiven yourself for it. But by the time that someone who is looking for vulnerability like that finds you, you're not escaping anything at that point. I mean, you're a target for that reason. You know what I mean? So my ex was not just physically abusive. My ex was every type of abusive there was. He would starve me. He would beat me he would tell me that I was bipolar and that's why he was beating me to the point where I legitimately believed for seven years of my life that I was in fact bipolar there's nothing wrong with being bipolar I'm just not it I'm just not it was atrocious I mean he would starve me it was terrible and I can tell you although I didn't deserve that I was absolutely the perfect target for someone like that who was looking for the vulnerability that I had because that was what I grew up with. I didn't have a childhood trauma. My whole life was trauma. And he sensed that about me. He knew that. It was like, it was like I was a, a, a blip on the radar and he just found me. And I think he could have found anybody, to be honest with you. I don't think that it ever had anything to do with me. But what I can tell you is that after I got away from him, after he tried to kill me in our home in front of our six-month-old daughter, then I became a target for real. It wasn't until I got away from him that I actually became a threat and an obsession. And I'm telling you, even to this day, the things that this man thinks and says and does and feels about me are actually really disturbing on an unhealthy level. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 I get it, man. I get it. Um, 
You know, it's, it's tough. And if you're out there listening and I just want to put, put this out there as a disclaimer, you know, we're not mental health counselors by any stretch of the imagination. And if you're feeling triggered or, you know, this content is maybe sensitive to you, I would suggest, you know, take a pause and re reevaluate if you want to continue to uh, go down this path with us, because, you know, sometimes talking about these things, you're not ready for it. You know, you're not ready to deal with that. And, you know, you think you do by the by looking at the, you know, the uh, the, the title and the description. You're like, oh, I, I identify with that. And then when you get here, you're like, oh, man, I'm starting to feel things that I do not want to feel. Um, that I'm not ready to feel. And that's okay, man. That is okay. It absolutely is. And I I really appreciate you throughout that disclaimer, Sean, because we preface every episode that we have with some sort of disclaimer because we are reminding people that this is a safe space. So I honestly, I love your show so much and I recognize that your show is such a safe space that I completely blanked on the disclaimer, which is normally something that I'm so on top of. So really sincerely from me to you, thank you for saying that because I really appreciate that. Yeah. Yeah. No problem, man. I'm going to go a step further. You know, if you were somebody out there that's, you know, uh, dealing with domestic abuse, there's the number for the hotline right here, the national domestic abuse hotline. And that's 1-800-799-7233 for my folks out there that are listening audio only and not watching this broadcast. So I will be putting those up, you know, uh, throughout the, the place and I'm going to do one better, uh, cause this is a part of that too. You know, a lot of people that are experiencing Absolutely. domestic abuse are dealing with uh, sexual abuse too, because if somebody's trying to, you know, make you do something that you don't want to do, whether or not they're your significant other or not, that's sexual abuse. And, you know, no is no. And so if you're dealing with that as well, uh, here's the national sexual abuse hotline, which is one 800 656 four, six, three, seven, three, or hope. That's one 656 hope. And I hope that helps everybody out there. And uh, we're going to go ahead and continue. And I want to say one thing uh, as to, you know, what we were going to do. And I have one comment here from Nikki shred. I'm here as a supportive friend and understand better. Thank you, Nikki. I appreciate that. And if you got, if you're out there watching, I and mean, we got three viewers right now, and you have a comment or a question for Celeste or myself as we go through this, feel free to throw it up on the uh, on, on the comments because we love interaction. Um, but if they're inappropriate, I will not put them up or flash them. So just keep that in mind. But most of the people that watch this show are not like that. So thank you. I appreciate it. Um, so yeah, what I was going to say is we had wanted to do sort of like a role play in the mm-hmm. beginning. Cause we thought that would be really impactful and helpful for people to see somebody modeling, you know, like what, what you would say to me if I was your abuser and what I yeah. would say to you as, as you know, if you were somebody that I had abused right in my past. And I mean, when you first, when you first mm-hmm. uh, suggested that, cause it was your suggestion, mm-hmm. I was, uh, I, I, I was like, I don't know. I don't like, I don't know if I'm ready for that. Like, because I mean, there was a lot in that. I mean, even when we were even talking about it, I started crying. Um, I don't know if you even realized that because we weren't talking on the phone. Were we on the phone or were we just texting? We weren't, but I did. 
Yeah. And so, you know, and, and I, I've been crying a lot lately. Um, (laughs) this whole, this whole week has been kind of, um, emotional for me. Uh, every time that I was talking to somebody, something would come up and I would just, you know, start crying about it. And a lot of it I think is, is that now that I'm in this space of where I'm speaking about my, my past as, as much as I am, it's, uh, the toxicity is, is just coming out, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. it's, and it's not in, not in the, in the, the wrong way, but in the right way, I'm allowing the, the pain and the shame and all that stuff to come out through my tears and, and I'm just allowing it to do it. And if people are, are here witnessing it, then so be it, man, you're here witnessing it. And if I need to be that example for other men to be able to show you what it is to be, I think that's being a true man you know, versus, you know, somebody who's macho and is trying to tell you all the stuff that, you know, goes along with machismo. Um, I mean, it's not, that's really not the way to be. Um, People, I don't respect that anymore. You know, I definitely respect people that are authentic and they're living in their, in their true self. And, you know, like I said, if I, if I can be the example to help other, other guys out there, then I will be that guy. So enough of, enough of me rambling on. So, um, you know, what, what, what do you have to say about that? Um, I also recognize that this week was a really hard week. There's a lot happening this week for a lot of people and a lot of different things. And just on a, on a really large scale, on an astrological scale for anybody who believes in that, um, there's just a lot going on right now. And I think that a lot of people in today's, climate are just really exploring themselves so I love that you found your show I love that you found your voice through your show I love that this has turned into a therapy for you in the sense of helping other people I think that's so beautiful that's really what we're doing with our show too and I have found as I play back episodes and I really sit with myself on the content that I've just delivered right and I I recognize it's not just my research it's actually my words and actually my thoughts and it's it's an actual conversation with my human my favorite human ever I recognize it's the same for me um when I listen back and I'm like oh god I'm I said that that was brilliant I can't believe those words came out of my mouth I am not an idiot which I tell myself I am 8,000 times a day because I kind of (laughs) am um (laughs) But it's a really cool experience. So I I think that a lot of people are experiencing that right now. And in that comes this journey of honestly, like self-identity. And and then with self-identity comes the point that you're bringing of authenticity. So I recognize that through this journey of, of COVID, to be perfectly honest, and also through my show and through just a lot of other shit that life does, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I really recognize that I didn't love myself and I, I didn't understand why and I didn't understand how to fix that. And I recognize that the reason that I continued to be in these cyclical relationships with abusers and and, and mm, toxic masculinity that that just shouldn't, be the experience for any human on receiving or in having like, like my partners don't deserve to feel the way that they do about themselves. 
but also I don't deserve to be on the other end of their fist because they feel that way. So that's really, there's a fine line there and both avenues need help in that situation. But truly it comes down to us and ourselves and recognizing what we need and listening to ourselves. And, and we just don't really live in a world that reminds us not only of free thinking, like we said before, but of listening to ourselves, having conversations and sitting with yourself. I, I mean, that's really what this journey started for, started for me as, as, especially with our show. I was sitting with myself and I had this name pop into my head and I had already asked Allie if she wanted to start a podcast with me and she like basically told me to fuck off. And that was not a weird, that was not a weird response for her. And then I came back like a week later and I was like, what do you think about the name taboos for a podcast? And she was like, that's really cute. And I was like, yeah. And we talk about taboo culture with drinks in hand. And she was like, let me go talk to Nick, which is her husband. Now, let me tell you, Allie and I have been friends for almost seven years. And every time this woman has said to me, let me go ask Nick, it means that I got my way. (laughs) (laughs) So I knew we were starting a podcast as soon as she said, let me go talk to Nick, because Nick is also my best friend. And he knows that I'm the wild one and Allie keeps us safe. But sometimes she keeps us a little too safe and I break it up. So when I have a good idea, he affirms it. (laughs) Yeah, you guys do do have a really good uh, uh, chemistry uh, on the uh, spectrum of, of, you know, different personality type. Uh, she's a little bit more reserved and you're a little bit more um, out there, uh, not out there, out there, but like you, you say what you want, you, you say what's on your mind, you know, you don't, and, and you don't hold back. And, you know, I, I, I noticed um, when we were talking about that episode and when when there was some some spots where um i could tell you were being triggered and with and and like like when i say triggered i just mean that like you still got some work to do there you know and and you're still working through some things and uh, i'm gonna challenge you on that john i'm gonna i'm gonna respectfully challenge you on that no That no. that has nothing to do with that. No, um, our episode took a different avenue than I thought it was going to, mm. and and although I love our episode and I can't wait for it to be out and I'm really excited about it, it uh, it wasn't it was not the the structure that I had planned. And I just I really struggle. I'm a little control freak, and I really struggle when especially the the structure that I've provided and I, I put my heart and soul into 33 pages of research. And when it doesn't come to be the message that I wanted to get out mm. there and the, the, what, the, how I wanted to help people, mm. it's, not that, it's not that I'm not helping people and I'm still very grateful for that opportunity. But when it's not, when it's not the, the, okay, I'm going to stop for just one second. I'm going to be a lawyer, okay? Mm-hmm. Closing arguments are my shit. That's, that's where I am going to be the best lawyer there is. And you even, I think, called that out in that episode. Mm-hmm, I mm-hmm. can make a hell of a closing argument. That's just how I am. So when my closing argument doesn't come together, when, when all the pieces of my puzzle don't come together for my closing argument to be what I have rehearsed it to be and the, the message that I truly want to stick for the jury, I get upset about that. 
that was what you were feeling in that episode. It had nothing to do with me being triggered. My PTSD and my triggers do not control me enough that you would understand that. That's just not how I am. Okay. I'm too laid back for that shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, then my, then my mistake. But That's okay. Thank when you for you, saying something, though. Yeah. So when you, you had told me, you said, you know, uh, we were going to do the role-playing thing, and you're like, you know, I don't think that I'm I'm up for that uh, at this particular juncture. And I just assumed I'm like, all right, well, maybe that had something to do with with the episode or not, you know? Because mm-hmm. when we're when we're going when we're going through our days, you know, we're we're busy. I'm a, I'm a content creator. I'm I'm constantly in in my stuff, right? Yeah. And so a lot of the times, I you know glance at at something and like, okay, maybe that's the reason. You know, I just I don't trip on stuff anymore. So, um, thank you for clarifying that. I, I appreciate that. And you know, maybe we will get to that at some point. Um, yeah. because I think that would be powerful, um, but just not today. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And I would actually really love the opportunity to share why I, I'm not in a place uh, to, to do that role play. And honestly, it's because my energy, my energy on a, on a spiritual and energy plane this week has been in so many other places because of the George Floyd trials, excuse me, the Derek Chauvin trials, um, that are connected to George Floyd and his murder. There's just a lot happening in my personal life because of those trials mm-hmm. and, and a role play about something also very, very important to me. I, I, that would just spread me too thin to be honest. And right now my energy needs to be in a place that's more supportive for a lot more people. I just feel, ob- I just, uh, that's my purpose. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. No, no, actually, oh. I, I get it 100%. I really appreciate the, the opportunity and the invitation to have that role play at some point because I really do want to do it and I am very excited about it and I think it's going to be so therapeutic and beautiful and I can't wait to have that for us and for your listeners and for anybody out there who needs that experience. I think it would bring a lot of closure to a lot of people, which is the intention of it. I just am so tired right now. There's no way that my energy could handle that kind of emotional toll at this exact second. <laughs> and I know myself well enough to say that. Yeah. Well, that's that I, I 100% respect that and I respect you. you. So it's oh, 100, you. <laughs> it's 100%. Okay. Um, we have a comment from uh, uh, Dylan Busby and Dylan is a fan of the show. And first he said, what's your drink of choice? Second, how do you feel fatherhood plays into being a victim slash abuser? Hey, Dylan. Thank you for the questions. Um, honestly, my drink of choice is water. I drink like a gallon and a half of water a day. It's not even funny. It's actually probably gross. <laughs> so I drink so much water. That is my drink of choice. However, today um, I'm drinking blackberry juice packets. Um, it's an India pale ale brewed with blackberries. It's delightful. And it is from the ferment oporium or fermentorium. I don't know. I probably drink it too fast and now I can't read it. Um, but <laughs> it's, it's great. Highly recommend. Um, and I think that your question about fatherhood playing a role on the victim abuser thing is actually really a loaded question, but in a great way. So I want to start with that piece. I also want to start with I'm not a mental health expert. I really am only speaking to this topic from my experience, from the research that I've done from the education that I've gotten both through books and through the streets. Okay. Um, 
<clears throat> so I really recognize that fatherhood in a very specific sense does play a role in the victim or abuser mentality. The nature versus nurture kind of complex, that question that comes up all the time, right? But I think that it's truly up to us as human beings, because this could be for women too. Women are also abusers, just as often, honestly. So it comes down to us as people who recognize whether we've had a traumatic experience with our fathers or an absent father, or you were adopted and you want to understand where you came from in that like biological and unconditional drive. There's just so many pieces that go into that, right? So I really think about that. And then as we mature and as we develop and as we decide what we want to be and, and truly who we are as people, People either go one way or the other on both sides of the spectrum. Either you cling to your daddy issues and you're constantly trying to find that person to either fix it for you or to love you the way that he didn't love you or, or whatever, or to praise you. And some people find that and it's healthy, but it's not really healthy. So there's, there's a small disclaimer there. It's healthy in the sense of it's not hurting them and it's not abusive. But it's not healthy in the sense of that attachment isn't pure. It might be loving, but it's not for the right reason. You're filling a gap rather than choosing for this person to be in your life. So that's kind of how I look at the victim perspective of it. That was my experience, at least. My dad, my biological father is a piece of shit, really bad. And... I recognize in every man that I've ever dated, I was trying to find a man who would love me and, and appreciate me as the incredible human that I am the way that I wish he would or, or a father figure would have. I recognize that is very common in a lot of victims, but not all. On the abuser side of it, I think that- I'm not sure I understand. Excuse my watch, apparently. <laughs> she doesn't well, understand either. Well, good thing the question wasn't for her. <laughs> okay, I lost the watch now. Um, on the abuser side, I think that men either uh, want to escape that and don't know how, and that's very, not men, excuse me, I did not mean that. I meant people, men or women, are trying to escape that I do find that this is more often than not men, however, who in their process to try to escape that, they actually end up embodying that because they resent their father for never allowing them to understand what it looked like or felt like to be a healthy man in a relationship. And that's got to be frustrating as fuck, right? To not have a solid role model to teach you how to do your job as a man, which is to, to be a good husband, to be a good father, to procreate, to keep existence going. That's, that's your core drive as a man on this planet. And to have a really shitty example of that would be really hard. I'd probably throw my hands around too if I had that experience and that much testosterone. 
I'm not excusing it and I'm not making light of it, but I really recognize that there's a lot of factors there that fatherhood has a role on. I don't know if I answered the question or not. I feel like I tangented, but I'm really good at tangents. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, 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 I somewhat agree with that as well. I mean, let's just take me, for example, I'll use myself. A lot of what, what I was going through was the fact that like I had been going through life up to this point, you know, I I didn't have very many role models. I was a latchkey kid. Mm -hmm. I, you know, took care of myself, came home, you know, people would try to tell me, my mom would put me on restriction, try to tell me what to do. And I, okay, you're never here. You know, what are you going to, how are you going to enforce that? And so when I, you know, went into adulthood or transitional age, you know, 18, 19, 20, um, I just continued that that, uh, like, I don't know, lawlessness or, or, you know, uh, what's another word, just incorrigibility, right. Just being an incorrigible person that didn't, that didn't bend to any kind of rules or respect authority in any way, because I mean, who, who are you to tell me I've been taking care of myself for how long, you know? And so a lot of it was, is that I was just going through life, not really even knowing who I was. Mm-hmm. Right. And That's a lot of people's experience too. I just want to validate that. That was my experience also. You know, exactly. I mean, like, like, who am I? And so I'm like floating around in the cosmos, like wondering who I am. And, you know, in the middle of all these behaviors that I'd picked up that now are, that are like firmly ingrained in my subconscious and then the manipulation plays a part in that. And then, mm-hmm. you know, trying to whatever, look for relationships, uh, that can, you know, validate my, my past or, or something, whatever it is that I'm searching for. But, when you're running around searching and you don't even know who you are, then, w- then what is it that you're searching for? You know, if you don't even love yourself and this is, you know, you hear this all the time. It's so cliche, but I mean, it's so true. If you don't love yourself and you don't know who you are, then how are you going to know how to treat somebody else and, and, and be able to show up the way that you should when, you know, there's never really been a, a, a tangible roadmap as to how to even get there. There's never been an example of what it even looks like when you do get there, you know? So I, I just have to, to say that, you know, most of the time I was just projecting my own insecurities, shotgun spraying it out to everything, you know? And I, from the, from things that I didn't like about me, I just projected onto you and cause it's easier for me to hate you than it is for me to hate myself. Right. Yeah. And I actually also, um, so we actually did a whole episode on self-love, uh, in our love is love series in February. And the self-love was my episode. Allie and I take turns with episodes because we are two women doing the job of 16 women. So we, we really, we are busy, busy, busy human beings. So we, we alternate and we're a really good team like that. So, um, the self-love episode was my episode and, It was so important to me because I really struggled with this my whole life and I never knew what it was. I never understood what was wrong with me and I never understood why I was just always so unhappy in everything I did. Everything felt so fake. Everything like even about myself, even, even the, the things I would tell myself about myself were lies The and I hate lying. Okay. I, I have so many traumas related to lying that it's, it's not even funny. There is nothing that makes me trigger harder than a lie. 
And yet I lied to myself every day of my life, every day of my life. And it was just, it got to the point where I, it was going to kill me. It was really, it wasn't, it wasn't my depression because I do have depression, but my depression's under control. And there's a difference between how I feel when I'm having a depressive moment or a depressive episode than how I have ever felt when I hate myself or have hated myself. They're, they're separate, separate, excuse me experiences for me and I really recognize that um so in our self-love episode we actually talk about the way that abuse can take your self-love from you because I would argue that at one point everybody has had self-love think about when you were a baby or think about being around babies everybody's happy around babies right I mean unless you're a psycho but everybody's happy around babies. Even if you don't want children, even if you don't like children, you see a cute baby and you smile. The baby hands you a cell phone and you answer the call even though it's a baby, right? Like we all do this. This is this, is this intrinsic thing that people feel for children. And we celebrate them. We celebrate their steps and their giggles and their everything we celebrated that you pooped on the potty for fuck's sake like we celebrate everything they do (laughs) we we shower them with love and then at some point we take that away from them and tell them to fend for themselves we stop celebrating that they're children and at that point when we stop doing that at i mean i also believe again like i said before either you have self-love or you don't but i think at that point either the love that you got as a baby in that unconditional phase to that point has set you up so much for success that you love yourself forever and you just know what it is or you don't. And that's nobody's fault. There's no point in dwelling on, Oh, my parents didn't tuck me in enough or whatever. It doesn't fucking matter. What matters is how are you dealing with that today? And how are you showing yourself how you love yourself today? And bro, it's fucking hard. It's hard. It's terrifying. It's so the first two weeks that I was like dead set on doing my self-love journey and my self-exploration, I didn't talk to anybody about anything. If I had a problem where normally I would be like, Allie, help me, blueberry me right now. I don't know what to do. I didn't go to her and it killed me. Oh my God. I think I had like mange by the end of the two weeks. Like it was terrible. It was so bad I'm lying I'm just totally kidding I didn't but it was a terrible experience because (laughs) I didn't know how to talk to myself I didn't know how to say Celeste why do you think that the way that Allie literally says Celeste why do you think that I didn't know how to have that conversation with myself because I hated myself so much that the answer that I was gonna give myself scared the fuck out of me that was real and, and it wasn't until I really sat down, I colored one day for like 12 hours. I'm not joking. My hand was fucked up. <laughs> but, but I really just, I did. I just colored and I just sat there. It's like just getting to know myself, getting to know my brain, letting my brain explore whatever it wanted to explore and not questioning it. And if, I, if that meant that I had to talk out loud to myself, it did. And who cared? My cats. I talk to them more than I talk to myself, so they already know I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> They're not going to judge. <laughs> oh man, I love you. You're crazy. Um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I mean, you're you're absolutely right, man. Uh, we got another question from, and it's, it's going in a little direct, a little different direction, but uh, 
Nikki Shred says, I apologize for never asking you this, but what is your intended focus when you become a lawyer? Rather, what would your specialty be as a lawyer? So, I mean, I guess that means like what lane of, of law mm-hmm. are you are you studying or, or wanting to go into? I love that question. Um, so my passion is truly civil law. Um, I want to do discrimination cases. I want to do civil suits um, against the state. I want to, I want to make a difference. I want to help people who are systemically at a disadvantage of being helped, whether that means because they have a record or because of their race or because of their religious beliefs or sexual orientation. It does not matter. I want to help people. I want to make a difference. That's, that's really, that's, that's what I want. And I've honestly gone back and forth a lot between civil and family because Family is very near and dear to my heart. I know some really great family attorneys, and I would love to take what I've learned from them and the experiences that I've had with them and and make it that much better the way that I intend to approach my civil suits. But fuck, I could never have a case like ours come across my desk. I wouldn't, I would just die right there in my office. So I can't risk having family cases because of that reason. So civil it is. <laughs> here, here. Thank and that's, you for the comment. I appreciate it, Nikki. Yeah, I, lo- I love this platform, uh, StreamYard, and, and doing it this way because I think the audience interaction is really, is really awesome. And to be able to, you know, talk to them and, and answer their questions or, you know, listen to their comments. Um, because when, when we're doing just the audio only, we don't really get any feedback a whole lot. And right. I, I, like I don't, I know that I don't get emails and people don't reach out to me. I may, you know, I may get a review every once in a while, you know, that kind of lets me know that, all right, you're still, you're still doing okay. You know, you got, you, you still <laughs> got people. Like you. <laughs> But yeah, I, this yeah. just, it, it's just an instant, you know, instant gratification as to, you know, all right, cool. Some people are yeah. paying attention. I'm not just here talking to myself. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I would do that anyway. And I love this. I mean, I'm such a feedback junkie. It's it's probably stupid, but I, I love feedback. So for anybody listening who is a fan of taboos, never hesitate to give us feedback on anything, even if that's like while you're listening, because. I, I live for that shit. So don't hesitate to do that. We love it. <laughs> <laughs> and I also shared this to your group. So I don't know if it, if, if it got approved oh. or not, or even, or even if you wanted to even have it in there, because yeah. some people's groups are, you know, they, they just, they want it to be a specific way. And I get that. Um, no, but if, I definitely wanted to prove, let me go do that. I'm looking for <laughs> it. Keep talking. So yeah, uh, on on the lane of uh, self discovery and um, and self awareness, because I think that's where all of this change that needs to happen mm-hmm. within you has to come from. It has to come from being self aware <clears throat> and aware of how you're showing up in the world, whether it's good or bad. And if it's bad, you know, all right, well, what 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 parts of it are you struggling with, and and where do you need to find where you are, you know, where your blind spots are is really where it is, you know, because we all have blind spots in in our lives and, and what we're doing and the lanes that we're going down and, you know, feeling, you know, I, I think the best way that I can describe it, at least for myself was, is 
when I like the healing really began for me when I stepped into my purpose, right. And, and actually identifying what that was, you know, and stop, I stopped letting my past uh, rule my future. Mm-hmm. And I stopped um, talking about my past as if it was my present. And I think that's really important because a lot of times when we're telling our stories or we're, we're, you know, speaking about who we were, it, it comes out as who we are, not who we were. And so when you're reinforcing that, that story or that narrative in your head, you're reinforcing it as if it was today instead of yesterday. And at least it was for me. Yeah, no, no, no. I completely agree with you. I think I'm just going to add like another layer to that again in my little hippy dippy cosmic witch self. Like I'm just going there with that right now. Um, I really think the other thing is like you need to forgive yourself. It's not just that you recognize that this happened. And, and, and yes, Sean, to your point, like this is no longer who I am. But it's not just that. You can recognize that this is no longer who I am. I have not been a victim of domestic abuse for seven and a half years. But I have not been a survivor of domestic abuse until earlier this year. Because I still allowed that victimology to a degree affect me. My my ex could still trigger me. He can't anymore. And that's not because my PTSD is cured. Fuck no. I know. I still have PTSD, but what I am in control of is my reaction to him because I have forgiven myself forever allowing myself to let him break me the way that he did because no human deserves to be broken like that, like ever, ever. And I took that really personally against myself. I was so pissed at myself that I let that happen because I'm not that woman. I'm tough as hell. I'm not afraid of anything. I'm not afraid of anything. That's a lie. I'm afraid of everything, but I am fearless. I will look evil dead in the face and I'm not scared. Like that's not my problem. And yet I was afraid of him all the time. I was, I was timid with like, he broke me so much, so badly that I was no longer even Celeste. I was this version of him that he chewed up and spit out and was like, and now here's Frankenstein's fucking monster. That was who I was. And it took so long to get over that, but even longer to forgive myself for ever stepping in the room with the doctor. It wasn't my fault. I stepped in the room with Dr. Frankenstein. He found me. He plucked me from my environment. He broke me intentionally. How could I be mad at myself for that? How could I hold that against myself? Should I have left? Of course. There's a million, there's a million things in there that I could have done differently. So I'm not saying that I'm completely faultless. I'm not saying that at all, but I do recognize that I'm not at fault for being a victim and no one is of anything. If you're a victim of fraud or rape or abuse or anything, you are not at fault. And victim blaming is so real in our world and it's so fucking common. It's disgusting. True victims deserve to know that they can forgive themselves for being the victim of someone else's stupidity or anger or hatred or bigotry or rage or what the fuck ever it is. Cause that's not their fault. 
at all. And that's part of that self-love thing. Every version of ourselves we've ever been stays with us. I truly believe that. So like you hear people talk about like your inner child, right? Like little Sean inside of you is, is what makes you play with your daughter and have tea parties with her and love her. He's in there. He's totally in there. But if he's where your trauma happened and he's where you, you started to hate yourself, that will always be with you because that little version of you is starving for love. The love that they needed when, when that break happened, right? And then, okay, fast forward. Now you're older and there's a different break and then there's another break in 10 years and then two years later and it just keeps happening. And you're like, why? Why does this keep happening? That's just fucking life. That's just life happening. But the difference is, is if you hold on to it and you take accountability for shit you're not supposed to because you didn't do it. That's a symptom of self-hate. That's one of the main diagnoses of self-hate. And then that just snowballs into all kinds of shit like being an abuser or being an addict or, 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 which are all mental health problems that stem from this place of self-hate. I personally think that self-hate is the number one mental health illness that there is in the fucking planet. And we just don't recognize it as that because we call it 800 other fucking things so that there can be prescriptions pushed on the shelves. That's not a conspiracy theory. That's not me being a scientist. That's not anything other than how I feel because I just look at it so different. And that I'm on drugs. I take an antidepressant, like I already said that. So I'm not even anti-prescription. <laughs> I'm really just saying there's a lot There's a lot that we as people can fix about ourselves and about humanity if we all just took a little bit of time to forgive those versions of ourselves that are broken that force us to hate ourselves. Because nobody should. There's no point. And wouldn't the world be better if we all loved ourselves? Absolutely. It sure would. And what you describe, I, I, I look at it like this, this is what I, how I describe it. And like anytime, like a trauma or something happens to you, it's like a frag, like you just look at your brain as like a hard drive, right. In a computer yep. system. And anytime that you, you know, experience something that, that whether it's a trauma or, 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 or something that, uh, you know, is a, is a, an event, um, in your, in your life, it, it's, it's a fragment that goes out. Mm -hmm. And at the end of a period, and this keeps happening to you, you know, you know, whether you're young, uh, teenager, adolescent, uh, young adult, um, you know, just going through your life, all these different fragments are going out. Right. And at some point when your computer gets fragged to gets too fragged, what happens? It just doesn't run right. It, mm -hmm. you know, misplaces files. It, it, it doesn't, uh, it, it's slow. It, it can't catch up to whatever the, the function of it is. The and, spinning wheel of death shows up. Yeah. Yeah. The, you know, <laughs> buffer, you're, bu you're, you're buffering and you can't buffering. seem, you can't seem to, to, to get on track. Exactly. Right? But it's true. I mean, that's, mm -hmm. it, it's the perfect example. And so mm -hmm. what do you have to do? You have to reboot. You have to reset. You have to go in, you have to defrag and, and then reboot and reset. Forgot, forgot the steps there. Um, but once you do that, everything starts working right. Right. And, you know, I think th th another thing to what you said, the self hate is, 
you know, I think amongst my community and my population of the justice impacted and, and folks that, you know, have been in, involved in the incarceration and stuff like that, um, you know, the gateway drug for, for me was trauma and, and for mm-hmm. many others. And you know, the gateway drug for everybody, bro. Yeah. And the number one public safety issue, as well as that self-hate thing that you're talking about, is untreated trauma. Mm-hmm. And as long as that isn't addressed as a mental health issue, they're going to keep incarcerating and they're going to keep throwing people in jail and they're going to keep that wheel going of, of, of the justice system, keep that, you know, that, that machine rolling. Um, and it just, you know, more of us need to come out and keep talking about the fact that, you know, these are, are the things that we know because we've been through them. And yeah. so more- I think, I think that's a really interesting point. I'm so sorry. I just, I wanted to, re- I have a, I have oh, a response oh. to that. Um, so two things. One, I love your, your frag analogy. I thought that that was fantastic. I think the thing that I would just want to, again, add on top of that is like, after you rebooted, there's such an important level that, again, nobody talks about. And that level is how do you install the antivirus now? How do you, how do you prevent your computer from going through that again? Which you know what that looks like? That's a fucking midlife crisis. That's what that looks like. So if you don't do this, if you don't protect yourself, you're just going to go through this experience again. And when I say protect yourself, that means get healthy. I don't just mean physically. I, I mean, if that's part of your journey of self-love, do it. Cool. I support you. If it's not, cool. I support you. But what I mean with get healthy is get healthy with yourself. Find your center find what grounds you find what keeps you solid so that nobody could ever fucking rock you like that again or nothing could rock you like that again there's actually this really great book that's called what the heck is self-love anyway it's written by jonathan Ansley, and it's fantastic and this guy is so so beautiful as a human being i just really recommend this book but he lost his 19 year old son And this was the guy who admittedly was like, I always said my whole life, if anything ever happened to my kids, I'd kill myself. I was that mom. I was that mom forever. And given some of the trauma that we've experienced, my daughter and I together, I I knew that that was true in my core for the longest time. And, And now I don't have that. Would I be absolutely fucking devastated if something happened to my daughter? Without question. And I would lay my life down to prevent her from breaking a fucking fingernail. But... I love myself so much now in such a healthy and unconditional way that I didn't know was real that I know if something happened to my daughter, I would grieve her forever. I would grieve her forever. I, my, my life would never be whole again, but I could keep living. I, I deserve to keep living. I don't deserve to die because something happened to my child. And a lot of people don't, understand that because they get so caught up in the sentiment of I would die without my child. Yeah, there's a part of me that would die if something happened to my kid without question. But I Celeste am a different human being than I Celeste as a mother. And Celeste as a human deserves life and deserves to love herself enough to choose life even in that circumstance. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's there's that healing that comes with it. It's not just the the reprogramming and the and putting the computer back together. It's now what do I do to make sure that my computer never gets jacked like that again? And that's truly the answer is loving yourself. That's that's what it is. So then point number two that I had 
was going to be about trauma being the gateway drug, which, yes, I'm so sorry I interrupted, but I had to say it. I had to say it. Trauma is the gateway drug to everything, whether that's sex or drugs or alcohol or violence or anything that's out there that could get you into a situation where you hate yourself, right? And I really recognize that that is, like you had said, Sean, get help, right? Like trauma, untreated trauma is such a big deal. But truly, there's like this added level to that because I think that people believe when we say get help we're talking to people who are specifically just like really fucked up right now and when I say get help that's not what I'm talking about I also am not talking about just getting help from professionals or therapists like maybe that's not where you get help and I'm not saying if you need professional help you shouldn't get it because I'm absolutely an advocate for mental health and professional health services but there is a lot of work that we ourselves can take on and do for ourselves. And even if that means looking at yourself in the mirror and really identifying what you like about yourself in that moment, what is it? Is it your hair? Is it your outfit? Is it you like the way your eyelashes curled today? Like who gives a fuck what it is, but just say nice things about yourself. Those habits make your bed. Or if you hate making your bed, don't fucking make your bed. Listen to yourself and what you want to do. And as long as that's within reason and it's not like, oh, I want to go hurt people, that's wrong. Don't do that. But if your body says, I want to have a fucking cheeseburger today, have the cheeseburger today. Just have it. Just do it. Just indulge. Because your body, your body is telling you something. Your body is saying, I need this. I want this. I deserve this. And we are taught so harshly not to listen to ourselves and to listen to what we want and need and and that comes into so many other things that I'm not going to bring into your into your show in this episode because we'd be here forever but I truly just recognize like the cure to trauma is listening to yourself and and if that means your body says bro I can't handle this on my own then you get help like I needed help for my depression there's no way I could have gotten through my depression by myself but my self-love, there's no way I could have gone through therapy with that. There's no way. I would have just, I would have just displaced. I would have never talked about my self-hate. I would have never identified it as that. And then I would have been diagnosed as, as anxious or having a more severe depression than I actually have because I would have lied and masked my symptoms of self-hate. And they would have presented themselves as clinical definitions of something that I don't have. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So there's, there's so much that has to happen with therapy and with healing without question, which is why you're so 100 billion percent correct. But there's also so much that we ourselves have to do for ourselves. And if we don't take that and into accountability and our responsibility, a therapist is never going to be able to help us the way that they are supposed to be able to and the way that they want to. That's a lot. That that was great. I really love. I love how you how you 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 like synopsize uh, what I what I say, and you give your your um like your your take and your thought on it. And you know, I, I think it. I think I think this is a really good uh, little duo here we got going. Thank on. you. <laughs> <laughs> this is um, just how I talk. This is just my brain. <laughs> <laughs> so we got we got a few we got a few of these, and then we're gonna have to wrap this up because I got okay. uh, I got my uh, my kid and my daughter and my and my grand and my mom grandma's here. Grandma's and, here. 
yeah and we're gonna go eat uh have some dinner and and act like we're we're normal uh here in california (laughs) (laughs) um so we got sunny he goes uh right of your abuser if your abuser change who you they who you are they win that's right Um, uh, the big thing about mental health is societal acceptance of self-diagnosis. People help you make excuses to not get professional help. Shout out to Sunny, who literally was just voice clipping me like right before I got on this fucking call. Sunny is my dude. Hey, oh, right you. on, right on. Uh, he said another thing. I, f- I find it interesting how our government seems to ignore the extreme need for mental health intervention. Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. If we fix if we yeah. if we if we fix the mental health, then we won't no longer need those pills, right? Exactly. Just saying. Um, with all, and Nikki said, with all due respect, are you speaking on the government as a whole entity or the general portions that genuinely do not care? So this is a, a this is a, a question I think for Sunny. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I was like, I don't know when I was talking. About yeah, no, I think I, I think this like, is a, a question. This is a question, uh, a conversation that's happening within the co- oh, the chat itself. And so Sonny goes, the general, like the Capitol Hill doesn't even invest in it. Like it vaguely mentioned, but then it brushed aside, like, we'll get it. We'll get to it later. Yeah. And I know, I know Sonny has personal experience with this in his profession and in his profession, they don't value mental health, which is actually what we were voice clipping about before. Um, he had just finished our qualified immunity episode, which is my favorite episode. Actually, this is my toxic trait. I say every episode is my favorite episode, but truly our qualified immunity episode came from my soul. And the intention of the episode is to save a life on either side of the badge, if not both. So truly Sunny had just got done listening to our episode on that and Sunny's career is aligned to a similar field and has the same experience as police officers who don't receive mental health assistance. Um, And he was expressing how frustrating that is for me. So he has firsthand experience with the forces that be refusing to help people who are taking on inhumane amounts of trauma and stress and, and shit, terrible shit that the human body and conscious is not capable of carrying on its own. And yet, Nobody allows people to who are experiencing those things to get help without calling them weak or looking at them as unfit for the job. And that's just not true. It's just not true. So for anybody who's curious about what I'm really talking about, go check out our qualified immunity episode. It is literally the most beautiful thing I've ever put together, probably ever will put together outside of my child. So uh, please. I really mean it. Go listen to it. It's for everybody. It is It is for everybody. Whether you are back the blue or you are Black Lives Matter, it does not matter at all. The episode is for everyone. It is intended to be that way. All right. So let's, let's run through these quick. Uh, which leaves people are struggling to make them move themselves, which people rarely do. That's true. Uh, I agree. I feel the need for self-diagnosis starts at the root. You can't get help if you're struggling with the resource of the ability to find it. Most people want to help the people who need it most find self-diagnosis because they can't afford to get it in the first place. True, true, true. Help is not cheap, and that's really sad, too. 
me personally, I think everyone's annual doctor visit should come with, uh, with, uh, psych evaluation. I agree. Yeah. That would be something that would be helpful for sure. And Nikki mm-hmm. agrees. Um, let's go. Can't keep up with you guys. Uh, <laughs> so think how many deaths could have avoid with shootouts and all if we actually valued mental health. Well, I think a big part of that too, is that there needs to be, I mean, the, one of the things that's missing within law enforcement itself is the, uh, the liaison, uh, as people like me, you know, because, people like like me don't trust the police or, or that are out there and so you know and the police are usually afraid of people like me and and I'm not afraid of people like me so if there's a situation like that it's it's a lot I think it would be a lot better for a liaison like me to go into de-escalate a situation because I can I can meet them where they're at right I know I know where you are man I know what you're feeling I get it you know, I've been there. I've done that. I don't have a badge. I don't have a gun. I don't have anything, man. I just got my, I just got my voice and, and, and my intention. And so, yeah, I agree. I think that again, in our qualified immunity episode, we bring up a lot of, honestly, we, the same way we do everything. We do a deep dive from the beginning of policing until currently and truly go through what policing is and what it looks like and where it's flawed and also where it's not like we, we, we really cover that whole spectrum and, I completely agree that police officers themselves are incredible human beings who are doing a task that, again, like I said, humans aren't capable of doing. Like, let's acknowledge that. They're basically superheroes. And yet, as a whole, policing causes more damage than cops do. There are bad cops out there who fuck everybody up, who fuck everybody over. The entire system is built to protect police officers, and in that, they have cemented the system to protect bad police officers, which is why bad police officers, why they say, like, one apple, one bad apple will ruin the whole bushel, right? And that's real because of qualified immunity, which is the entire premise of our episode, which is why it's so important. And I agree, mental health services need to be present. There needs to be advocates present with every call depending on the call itself there there needs to be a buffer and i don't agree that it should be civilian liaisons but i do agree with you that it should be a liaison of some sort because honestly when when my ex got picked up for trying to kill me i had a six-month-old baby sleeping in my arms and i held her for seven and a half hours and nobody once asked me if i wanted to put her down or if they could take her from me nobody asked me anything about how I was doing. It was just tell me what happened. He tried to kill me. That's what happened. What do you want from me, Paul? Like nobody was there to really explain to me what happened to the point where I really just thought that it was another bad day. And he was back in my house two days later. Like had somebody been there to help me understand that he really almost just tried to end my life. And there was a gun five feet from me. That would have been a different conversation, but that's not my experience with the police. And, and, and that's the most mild interaction that I have with the police where they failed me as a citizen of the town that they're supposed to protect. I love cops. I have cops in my life who I love. And I know that even those people are not prepared to handle me as the victim in that situation. That's just not fair. It's not fair for anybody, the cop or the victim. It's a pet, yeah. it, it, it's just, it's a clusterfuck on yeah. both sides. 
Yep, you're you're right. And uh the qualified immunity really it 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 allows for people to not do their job well, right? Because there's no there's no recourse for for getting exactly. it wrong. There's no recourse for getting it wrong. Mm-hmm. And if there's no recourse for getting it wrong, then then it doesn't then, matter what we do. Yeah, then, then why the fuck do I care if I get it right? Exactly. My job's safe, you know. I just mm-hmm. sent somebody to prison for thirty years. Um, well, it doesn't. Well, it's just another day, right? I killed a woman in her home. Oop. That's just not. It's just not acceptable. It's just not from the men and women who have sworn to protect and serve, and for those who truly do that job and take it so fucking seriously. I commend those people. Those people are my heroes whether they are on the streets or in prisons themselves, like there are good people who are trying to do good work and I can't discredit those people, but there are also bad people who literally are trying to do bad fucking work and they're using their badge to do it. And then the good people suffer because of those people. And that can be good people anywhere. That could be good people on either side of the badge. Everyone suffers when a bad cop is entitled to have his fucking badge. Or hers. I wasn't being sexist. I just got frustrated. But seriously, that's a real thing. And we as a society need to be educated on what our police officers are trained to do, expected to do, how grossly undereducated they are. And it's sad. It's terrible. I have to study law for seven years, but somebody with a badge and a gun in a car only has to study for 18 months. Maybe. That's ridiculous. I just, there's, I'm not going to get into it. If you'd like to hear my tangent on all of these things, please go visit our qualified immunity episode. Sean has provided all of our socials because he's amazing. Thank you. And I think this is a good, we're going to, we're going to do this comment and we're going to get to Nikki's last comment. And then we're going to, you're going to go ahead and voice whatever it is you need to say about what you want, where we, <laughs> where, where we, where we can find you and, 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 and where you're at. Um, okay. So Sonny says us good officers get overshadowed by the bad apples. Mm-hmm. Absolutely true. It's mentally and emotionally exhausting on the top of the day today task of helping people that broke the law get back to being civilians that can make sound decisions we just simple don't get a break seriously and then nikki says i'm not law but i'm the fire i'm fire i'm fire um no, the, I imagine she's been, she's a, she works for the fire department. She's a firefighter, yeah. <laughs> we work side by side with you, and we see how hard it is. I see you. And you know what? I I, yeah, you know, I think that if everybody would just see everybody, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. recognizing you is not the same as seeing you. No, it's not. No, it's There's, not. And that's truly... 100% different. Truly, our, our saying on our show is, do you be taboos? And I, I really think that the intention of be taboos means to just be yourself and that we see you as that. So I really appreciate that comment from Nikki to Sunny, especially because I know what Sunny's talking about and I know what Nikki's talking about. So to see that interaction from a very inside perspective, but on the outside was like actually really cool. So, so shout out to you guys. I love you both so much. Yeah. And thanks for participating, man. We love this. Uh, I love this. I love, I love- <laughs> Yeah, Sonny says, I want to punch every bad officer in the face. Every time I take a step forward, they take us back three steps. 
And then we just had a betrayal in our own house. I completely understand. So, yeah, I mean, you know, lots to lots to deal with, lots to to figure out here. And it's not all it's not going to happen overnight. Um, but we uh, hopefully, you know, with the steps that are happening in, in, in the legislation and everything else that we're getting back to at least the right direction of, of what that might look like and, and where we could go with it. So um, I, I'm doing my part to try and, 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 and be, be the change that I want to see. So, you know, and that's all you can do. You know, if you want yep. something to change, then be the change you want to see, yep. you know, take that first step. You do it. Don't, don't mm-hmm. just sit there and, just say, well, you know, be the complainer and the guy that's the to- the toxic person in the room that's just bitching about shit and not and not even taking any action on your own. So, you know, you want to be the change you want to see, then start with yourself. Absolutely. Yep. Educate yourself and take some action. So let everybody know where they can find you even though they can all go to the description and every place you have, we have direct links there to where, where you can be or where we can find you and where we can get to you as well as myself. Uh, but if you'd like to say anything in closing, uh, here you go. It's your chance. Awesome. Well, I would like to start by saying thank you so much for having me. This was so much fun and I really appreciated your time and your effort and excuse me, your show in general. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you for showing up and, and for, you know, uh, getting, cause I, I, we were supposed to do it at six, but I, like I said, I, I got the, I thought you were EST, not CST. And, uh, <laughs> but we still, we still got it in, right. We still, yeah. got, it, we still got it in, got it done. And, uh, you know, she, uh, love you, Celeste. This was beautiful. Thank you. Awesome. So you can find us at taboos on Facebook. That is T A B O O Z E. We are Taboos the Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to reach out to us with any taboos topics, ooh, I even said taboos topics. <laughs> with any taboo topics, you can reach us at taboos the pod at gmail.com. Um, we also have a website. Um, I was doing really good with the outro and then I totally fucked it up. We also have a website, which is also taboos the pod.com. It's really pretty. Um, we are everywhere where podcasts can be found um we have fantastic content i don't know i'm adorable i swear a lot Allie's beautiful i'm obsessed with her come check us out because we're fun and we talk about a lot of really cool shit and i'm really proud of the stuff that we're creating yeah i love the stuff you're creating too and i love your energy i love the the the, the chemistry between you and ally and i suggest everybody go check out taboos uh thank you won't you. be dis- you won't be disappointed and thank you again for showing up and providing value to the listeners and there you go sunny mad love to you all give my hope and hard days are worth it yes sir brother mm-hmm. thank you for your service um and, and all that you do and Nikki too. Thank you for your service as a, uh, as a uh, uh, first responder. And one more, it gives me energy. Celeste. Mm. <laughs> all right. So we're going to get out of here so I can okay. go have some dinner and hang out with the fam bam. Right. Yes, Absolutely. Go kiss on that baby girl. All right. So everybody, thank you. Uh, happy Friday again and enjoy your evening and enjoy your weekend even more. And I will see you again next week. Uh, I'm not sure what I have lined up. I have slowed down quite a bit because I got a lot of uh, content to get out and you know, these are the fun things that we do and and being able to connect. And sometimes Mm -hmm. I get 
I schedule way too many of these and I don't get to the things that I need to put out. So I'm probably going to be slowing down quite a bit. Plus all of the things that I got going in, in, in the background, as far as, you know, the nonprofit and everything that I'm building out here to help, you know, other folks. So thanks again. I appreciate you watching and, uh, doing, uh, yeah, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks for being here guys. We love you. (laughs) Yep. Keep it 100 and stay true to yourself because guess what? There's no better way to be. Absolutely. Preach. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot. For merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links, go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.